You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Cocaine Bear. Medic! Oh, Jesus. What is that? Beth, we should go. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my daughter. Forest is a dangerous place. Hey, Henry, check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on The bear, it fucking did cocaine. A bear did cocaine. There was a bear. A bear? It was far. Hey, that's inappropriate. You're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course I can. <gasps> huh? Higher, baby. Oh shit. Get higher, baby. Oh, no. It kind of seems like the thing that stays with the man forever. Apex predator. <laughs> High on cocaine. <laughs> Out of his mind. Oh! Oh man, you fucked. What the fuck is wrong with that bear? Shoot it, man! Bear speeder! We have such good luck in nature. And the story is as follows. After a 500-pound black bear consumes a significant amount of cocaine and embarks on a drug-fueled rampage, an eccentric gathering of cops, criminals, tourists, and teenagers assemble in a Georgia forest. The film is starring Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Christian Convery, Alden Ehrenreich, Brooklyn Prince, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Margot Martindale, and Ray Liotta. It is directed by Elizabeth Banks and written by Jimmy Warden. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Meredith Loftus. Hello. Evo Day. Hey, y'all. Cody Derricks. Hey. Danilo S. Castro. Hey, everybody. And Josh Parm. Hello, hello. Guys, the bear did cocaine <laughs> it's here Spoiler alert <laughs> it did cocaine yo <laughs> cinema best picture gonna make a billion dollars all right in all seriousness I, I although then again you can't really be serious with a movie like this can't yeah no <laughs> <laughs> i do remember when this project was first announced and we saw the trailer the poster i remember a lot of us were wondering is this even real is this a thing this can't be real. No way. And sure enough, it is definitely real. Elizabeth Banks directed this movie, gathered together a bunch of stars to fight this bear. Or the bear fought them. I don't know, however you want to view it necessarily. Uh, but this is like the very definition of a February release. 
where all you can really hope for is that it's campy, fun, a good time. You don't necessarily go into something like this wanting to take it too seriously. But we already got something like that earlier this year with Megan. The question was, were we going to get something, you know, in that similar vein again uh, so early in the year? So now that we've seen Cocaine Bear and had that experience, (laughs) what did we all think of it? Uh, Let's start off first with Evo Day. Eve, what did you think of Cocaine Bear? Weirdly, I had heard about this story from a few years ago because it was featured on a true crime podcast that I used to like. Um, and I knew that how the real life story ends, which is that the bear just OD'd on cocaine immediately. And then none of the sort of antics actually went down. But that's besides the point. Um, so, yeah, the concept of this film is obviously very basic. There's a bear on cocaine and it goes crazy so you would kind of think with that that there would be a lot of room for comedy and sort of original creative choices and there were a lot of moments there were a few moments in this film where I you know I chuckled um but overall the whole thing is a little underwhelming it's not super fun it doesn't have great comedic moments a lot of the comedic moments feel very based in just like modern situational humor that kind of feel kind of uh fell flat in this particular in this particular setting uh all the storylines coming together kind of felt a little messy and forgettable there's one character who I, I we can talk about in a minute who literally just disappears and I was I remembered like oh what happened to him no idea uh, I, I, like, I don't want to be too, like, critical about it because it is, you know, it's just supposed to be a sort of fun romp, but I, I wish I'd had more fun watching it. And I will say it is extremely gory. It, it was about a hundred times more graphically violent. Like, I know that seems obvious because a bear is attacking people, but the sort of effects it uses to show dead bodies it it's really gory and that really shocked me for this kind of film I don't know if you guys felt the same way about that and I'm usually pretty good when it comes to gore and like violence but this even pushed me a little bit so we can talk about that later as well okay all right Eve starting us off here with some mixed thoughts. Let's see if that continues here. Meredith Loftus, what did you think of Cocaine Bear? Okay, so I think I've stated on a podcast episode before, but it bears repeating. Did you just say it bears repeating? No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, continue. Hey, you know, you got to throw them in there when you can. But yeah, I just for the sake of catching everybody up to speed. I'm a chicken when it comes to the horror genre. Like, I am a wimp. However, when I saw the trailer for the first time for Cocaine Bear, like many of you, I wasn't sure if this was a real movie. But on top of that, Cocaine Bear looks more like an action comedy with some horror elements. So that's exactly how I went into seeing it. And so because of that, I had a really great time with Cocaine Bear. From the opening Wikipedia quote, I knew I was in for a wild ride. I'm like, this is exactly what I paid to see. 
uh, cocaine bear, uh, Koki, as he's been called in the uh, press circuit, like he lived up, or no, she lived up to the hype. My bad. We can get into spoilers later. I do think that for the concept, it probably could have gone further in a few places or even dropped one of the groups featured in Cocaine Bear's Warpath to tighten up this tight 90. I am a sucker for a good Mark Mothersbaugh score. So uh, for him to infuse his Devo 80s background, like that was pitch perfect for me. I was so here for it and I can't wait to listen to the soundtrack on repeat. I'm so glad I got to see Alden Ehrenreich uh, reteam with Lord and Miller here since they were fired from Solo and we haven't really seen much of Alden Ehrenreich since. So to see him here, he provided a lot of great humor and heart for me and he had such great chemistry with O'Shea Jackson Jr., Honestly, I would love to see them in a future comedy together. If there's anything I've learned from Bojack Horseman, it's that character actress Margot Martindale is tough as nails. So watching her uh, battle cocaine bear was everything and then some. I'm still feeling a little mixed on Ray Liotta's character, but we can talk about that in spoilers. But on the whole, like, it's just really fun to rally around, like, this action comedy with some gore thrown here or there and i really want to celebrate that as much as possible is this going to be the best picture no but is it going to make my list of favorites probably by the end of the year yes absolutely so i i had fun with cocaine bear okay a little bit more positive coming from meredith here going so far as to say it'll be one of her favorites of the year, probably. Let's see where Danilo lands on this. What did you think, sir, of Cocaine Bear? Uh, I think we all went into this, you know, wanting the same thing. Uh, Something pretty absurd, something pretty entertaining. Uh, Like has been stated, you know, some of us weren't sure whether this was a real movie or not, which is usually sort of a fun indicator that that it'll at least be memorable. And I think I got a version of that memorability, but I would say I, I agree with Meredith. I think it could have been pushed a little bit further. I was entertained, but I don't know necessarily in a way that will really stick out to me uh, long term. Um, there were some fun elements. I think the ensemble was sort of very much trying to throw back to like sort of like a post Pulp Fiction 90s kind of like things to do in Denver when you're dead eight heads in a duffel bag kind of era where it's very quippy and uh, bleak and, and sort of like hard bitten in that way, but silly. And so fusing that with like almost like a Sharknado type of like absurd setup was kind of interesting. I can kind of see what Banks was going for, but um, while I think it came out pretty well, I do think it came out. I think there was room to have made something a little tighter and a little more memorable. So, so mildly positive was probably where I come down on this movie. Okay. All right. Now we're going to kick it over to Cody Derricks. Cody, what did you ultimately think of cocaine bear? Well, hate to be a downer on this high we're all on, but I was really not, not in favor of cocaine bear. Unfortunately, I went into this like we all did hoping for a, very dumb, fun time, and what we got instead was a very self-aware but kind of weirdly muted film. It 
strangely pulls its punches way more than you'd think an R-rated movie called Cocaine Bear would. Maybe it's just me because I watch a lot of horror movies, but I actually did not find it very gory outside of one or two moments. Like, it really did not feel like anything in here, except for, again, one or two scenes, couldn't have been shown in a mediocre SNL sketch that was called the same thing. And this kind of feels like that. This feels like an overlong sketch with one joke that just doesn't really pay off. And it just, it just felt so... Again, it pulls its punches. And it really is this kind of wave of movies. Matt, you referenced Megan earlier, and I agree. This kind of fits in line with this, that are very self-aware and want the audience to feel rewarded for feeling smart enough to identify that self-awareness, but doesn't actually do the work of making a good or fulfilling film. And it kind of feels like they're trying to manufacture the same feeling that we get from watching movies that are so bad they're good. And we don't really get those anymore. We mostly either get movies that are just straight bad or are trying to be that. And this is, unfortunately, I don't think successful in really any of its uh, attempts. Okay. Josh Parham. We're up to you, sir. So I am somebody that really is uh, kind of primed to like this kind of movie. I think I have been very adamant about how much I was anticipating seeing this film ever since we first got that trailer. So I was a very like very much in the square target demo of who this movie should be appealing to. And I do think I agree with the general sentiment that it is overall kind of decent and entertaining in the moment. I do think it has some very nice set pieces. I think the characters are not that great, but I never expected them to be, but they are, I think compensated well by all of these actors, like the performances that are being given by all these actors here, I think are pretty captivating overall, even though the characters themselves aren't really well written, but I never expected that in the first place. But I did appreciate what the actors are bringing to to the material. I think at the end of the day, though, I I do agree that it does feel like the movie could go a little bit further in the absurdity and the irreverent tone that it is really kind of trying to capture. And it does weirdly feel muted, like like Cody said. It does actually feel like for this ridiculous of a premise and for this R-rated concept that they're giving us, it does feel like they don't go quite as extreme as... I kind of thought they would. And that was a little bit of an underwhelming element to the movie. And it did just kind of seem like in its effort to be really quick in the runtime to kind of get in and get out, it didn't really commit to the more interesting ideas and and concepts that it really could have pushed further. And that was a bit disappointing. So I did have fun with the movie overall. Like I did laugh at certain moments. I did feel like every, basically every time the bear was on screen, I thought those were all really great set pieces, but when it was done, it was, it did feel a little disposable to me and it didn't really leave the lasting impact that I would have hoped it would. And I kind of left it feeling like this is, you know, an, an entertaining movie in the moment. And I had fun with it, but it is, very fleeting and quite forgettable at the end of the day. So it, I would mildly recommend it, but I would certainly say go into it, kind of just don't really think you're going to see something great. And when it's done, you'll move on to something else. I can already hear the listeners thinking to themselves, God, why are you guys being so critical of a movie called Cocaine Bear? <laughs> and I will tell you why. It is because I expect better 
especially when you have this much talent involved in your film. And when I say better, I'm not talking about like an Oscar-worthy drama. I'm talking to deliver on that sense of fun. This movie, for being 95 minutes long, it really lags at certain points. And I agree, Josh, with what you're saying. Every time the bear is not on screen, this movie is soulless. It is toothless. It's got nothing going on with its characters that are particularly interesting. You're saying that the cast is captivating? I completely disagree. I think that everyone is on the cusp of being somewhat captivating. But for some reason, they're never allowed to fully tilt into being either so ridiculous and so irreverent that it is just funny to kind of kick back and enjoy for what it is, or allowed to deliver any sort of nuanced, uh, genuinely good performance. Like, I don't think anybody in this movie is exceptionally, you know, doing a great job. Oh, well, I disagree with that. I I think Alden Ehrlich is great in this movie. (laughs) I I think my problem is this. O'Shea Jackson Jr., Alden Ehrenreich, and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. are my favorite pairing of characters in this movie to follow. Same. Mm -hmm. They are also involved in the absolute dumbest scene of this movie. (laughs) Horribly written, took me completely out of the movie, and I just, I was looking around me and everybody was having a good time in the theater, and I could not believe like how much of a pass people seem to be just giving this because I get it. It's a movie called Cocaine Bear. What do you expect? I expect there to be at least some uh, consideration given to a screenplay where your characters are put in situations where they are encountering a man mauling bear, a bear that could rip you to shreds. Like behave like actual characters and shoot the goddamn thing. It just, it was, it really disappointed me. It disappointed me because I I really felt like it wasn't treating its audience with respect. Some of the scenes really did feel like underwritten and they were sort of like first thought and, you know, really kind of stitched together in a sort of uh, thoughtless way. I mean, definitely there was a lot of discussion about the sort of campiness of this film and the sort of campiness that went into the promotional material. This film is not camp. It is way too self-aware and it doesn't go far enough in any capacity to be like a cult classic. And people are saying like, Oh, it'll be a cult classic one day. It's like, I don't think so. This film is not, it's not fun enough. Now when the bear is on screen and the bear is mauling people and, there's some really gnarly violence involved. This movie is awesome. (laughs) Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. This movie, this movie, I think needed more of that. 
Honestly, I could have taken another five minutes of Margot Martindale scenes uh, when she gets particularly violent, uh, either attempting to shoot the bear and chaos ensues. Like, that was so much fun for me. I agree. That was one of the better scenes in the entire movie. Her character has a rough go in this movie. I think something that's kind of mystifying about this movie, and we keep talking about this cast, is that I'm not quite sure what story we're telling with this selection of actors. It seems kind of random. Like, I, 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 there's no cohesion to the styles or abilities of this these actors. Like, yes, there are the standouts of, again, Margot Martindale and Isaiah Whitlock are the best parts of the movie pretty easily. But Carrie Russell, love her. Not quite sure what she's doing here or why she did this she's movie. nothing in this movie. Nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I will say she did more in this than The Rise of Skywalker, just saying. <laughs> I mean, that fully forgot she was in that. <laughs> exactly. But like, yeah, she does nothing in this movie. Nothing at all. I also couldn't get over that she was um, trying to locate her daughter. And when she locates her, she doesn't have like barely a scratch on her. Meanwhile, everybody else has like all yeah. these wounds on them from fighting this bear. And then and then they go further into the cave and they follow. Oh, my God. As someone who grew up being very bear aware, because I live in the Pacific Northwest, when they were following the baby bears, I was like, no, no, don't do that. Stay away yep. from I the had, babies. <laughs> I also grew up in bear country and I had the exact same reaction. I said, those oh. bears, those baby bears are the scariest part of this movie because that mom bear is going to come for you. And she kind of oh Mm-hmm. Baby bears had like the full on like mental consciousness of like a child that when they were like acting like humans. There also was no attempt whatsoever to unify any of these characters under a common theme. Like none of the characters who, okay, like I guess maybe the through line I can maybe draw, and this is being super generous. There are baby bears. There's a mama bear. There's Carrie Russell trying to protect Brooklyn Prince, so there's that paternal relationship. Oh boy, Matt. Oh boy. I'm just saying. Oh, just no, what was good. this movie trying to say to us? What was the point for making it other than to make something fun, which they also didn't fully deliver on, in my opinion? Right. I'd rather them go for nothing and give us some fun yes. than attempt to have some heart. I, 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 sh- I should not want to care about these characters, but because the movie kind of half-heartedly wants me to feel like they're real people, I just feel really underwhelmed. Yeah, they laid on the, they had to like explicitly say the theme of parental care at the end of the film. They had to lay it on real thick. I mean, are any of these characters based on actual people? No, the whole thing is made up. The bear just died. <laughs> I mean, the, the drug runner at the beginning of the movie, that, that is a real guy. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, you know what? That was actually maybe the funniest gag of the whole movie, or one of them at least, the opening. Yeah, that, yeah. that was fun. Right, right before the title card. <laughs> Carrie, uh, Carrie Russell's husband, who I'm sure just was like, she was probably like, babe, will you do this tiny part in this film I'm doing? He was like, hell yeah, I'll jump out of the plane. <laughs> So apparently, uh, no, it was actually the other way around. He read the script after Carrie accepted it, and he was like, you got to get me into this movie. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely too many characters in the movie. I will uh, certainly agree with that, which is often a problem Mm -hmm. with these types of movies. There's too many characters that we don't really have that much of a connection with. But I will still say that for me, what... It ended up being a nice way to at least tolerate all of these characters that weren't very well written is that I did think the actors were good. And I'm, you know, I have a lot of experience with watching these kinds of movies. And I know when 
there are so many characters that are just played by people that are doing the uh, very bare minimum, and I can't very even minimum. enjoy any of that. So <laughs> I, I do. That. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. That's, that's cute. It's okay. It's all right. But I still liked most of these actors. I thought that what they were doing in their screen presence did a lot to at least make those sequences tolerable to me. So I get it that they're not great characters and that there are too many of them, but I still liked all the performers that were on screen so that it made me be like, okay, this material is not great, but I appreciate what the actors are at least trying to bring to it. I just don't know why there's so many characters. I mean, it's like closer to shortcuts than snakes on a plane. And yeah, it makes me wonder ridiculous. if like maybe they were hesitant to work with this CGI bear. Like maybe they didn't have the budget or the time to have too many scenes with the bear. And I'm sorry. And I know we're talking about a movie called Cocaine Bear. The bear looks awful. The CGI is awful. And when the baby bear showed up, I, they were so poorly rendered and animated. I didn't even know what we were looking at at first. It's just yeah. really like, I, I wish it was again, like everything else in this movie. I wish it was better looking or worse. It's just kind of in the middle. I agree hmm. with the bear, but I didn't care as much because I kind of accepted that this movie wasn't meant to be like a $200 million best visual effects contender. And that was okay for me. All I wanted was I wanted there to be some practical gore effects and I wanted that bear to just completely annihilate people. Mm. And in the scenes where it does do that, this movie is awesome. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. But there's a scene with an ambulance, which is really fun. That was for me the highlight of the movie. Yeah. uh, I will say worst paramedics ever. I had no idea that if you find someone mauled to an inch of their life, you just check their heartbeat for like 20 <laughs> seconds. I, I no, You know what? I kept thinking to myself, like, what is the dumbest, single dumbest moment in this entire movie? And it, it definitely involves the scene that I was alluding to earlier with Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Alden Ehrenreich, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. But when Isaiah uh, Whitlock Jr. says, let's see what kind of effect this has on it. And they're all just like observing the bear doing more cocaine. I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I could not, I just couldn't believe what I was watching at that point. I didn't understand what was the point of that scene. I thought the blocking was absolutely horrendous. Oh yeah. And then on top of that, you've got multiple characters with guns, multiple. (laughs) And I was like, it literally will take one, two, maybe three shots to kill that thing. And it's really annoying that by the end of that movie, that is all it exactly took. Like, that bear didn't really need to take that much punishment to be taken down. It, I, I, did anybody else in their theater when they saw it, was, was the audience, like, getting restless during that scene? Because my audience started shouting at the screen, like, saying, like, how, like, agreeing, like, how dumb the characters were behaving in that scene. Um, no... I didn't, not any reaction like that, but I will say the blocking of that scene that you referred to where one character is on the roof and the three characters are on the ground. It is very messy. And there's a couple scenes like that one towards the end that we'll get to. Um, Yeah. Just a lot of kind of like camp, bad camera work in this film, unfortunately, but my audience didn't really have that sort of reaction. Was not my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> Somebody audibly in my audience literally shouted out loud, shoot it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I will admit it was not my favorite scene in the movie. It, that is the part where it does seem to go for, like, lowest common denominator type humor, which is in a lot of the movie for sure. But that's where yeah. it seems like very, very obvious that it's going as broad as it can be, as dumb as it can be. And it, yeah, like I said, that, that's the one section that I do think is the most tedious to to get through. I mean, the vagina joke. Oh, God, that was... Which doesn't make sense, because that's not sense. how the bear is lying on him, either. Doesn't <laughs> make, no. No. Makes no sense. Um, Matt, uh, what scene were you talking about that was just, like, you made you, like, almost... You were kind of... What made you almost angry? Was it this one? Yeah, it was this one. Yeah. yeah. And it's because, like, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is on top of this gazebo. He's got a gun. The bear is literally just chilling. It's not moving around. It's not even attacking anybody necessarily. Could have just shot it right in the head. Direct shot. But, but they can't do this because these are supposed to be the moral characters in the movie and they can't be portrayed killing animals on screen. They, that has to be reserved for the villain of this movie played by Ray Liotta. And that, to me, I just, I, I saw through it and I just, I, I hated it because it, it just, it felt so unbelievable to me. The transparency I mean, of that. Enough. But in this scene, it doesn't. The bear's not on a rampage, so they don't really need to shoot it here. But I understand your point. Uh, I will say the bit where the bear <laughs> just fell asleep on top of Alden Ehrenreich did like actually quite amuse me for a little bit until it made that joke at the end. I was like, oh, okay, you ruined it. I, th- I thought that was kind of funny. I did really think. I really uh, want Alden Ehrenreich to be in better things after this. Oh, don't worry. He's going to be in a movie called Fair Play that's going to rock you later on this year. Fantastic. Yeah, my my argument, though, to the they could have just shot it. Well, come on. This is going to lead to, like, a cocaine bear cinematic universe. They need sequels, so. <laughs> no, no. Sorry. No. We should not be advocating for such a thing. You don't want I meth raccoon? I will be advocating for yeah. such a thing. Cocaine bears about the Cubs. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They set that up so perfectly. Like, all right, we can have more. Those anthropomorphic Cubs that have like emotional reactions to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yes. I prefer my Jafar Pahani films, No Bears, instead. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the movie's stupid. <laughs> I mean, like, yes. <laughs> Not no, arguing that like, it is. You can it's... be stupid and still be a good time. And which I just I have a disagreement that it is. I, I think it is. For I think it's intermittently a good time. I think it's I think it's inconsistent. I can agree with that. Yes. Uh, the movie that I was actually thinking about at first that it was like trying to be, but was never gonna get to that level is it does seem to have a little bit of wanting to go for, like, a Tremors vibe in terms of mixing that horror monster movie mm-hmm. comedy. It, But it, it doesn't get there at all. What it's more kind of like is a movie like Lake Placid, which I know people hate, but I do kind of enjoy. But it's sort of like that kind of movie where it's really dumb. You don't care about any of these characters. There's a couple set pieces in here that you do get more entertained by, but, like, overall it's pretty disposable. And for me, walking in with that kind of mentality, it's like, it, it's fine. Like, I just, I'm not arguing that the movie is like high art or it's even the best kind of version of what this movie can be. I see that it is a kind of middling effort in that regard. But at the same time, when those moments do happen, I am thoroughly entertained by it. I, I do think that they are 
compelling there are compelling sections in this movie that is enough for me to say did i have a good time with it yes i have to admit that i would agree with that i think i came from it from a similar sort of like disposable sort of mindset of like matt to your point that scene with the bear that you're describing is dumb and you know it's pretty uh spotty in terms of the writing and the logic but then you have a scene like the ambulance scene and i guess it feels like it's almost tit for tat where it's like okay that that one worked this one didn't work and I was expecting it to be sort of patchy in that way. And so when that happened, it was like, you know, it's as anticipated. There's even a scene where uh, one of the paramedics gets like trapped underneath a door and the bear's on top of the door. And I don't know if it's my bloodlust or what it is, but I-, I wanted something a little bit more out of that moment. Something I was like, hey, listen, if you're going to go full tilt with the gore factor, just go all the way. Yeah, have I agree with that. Yeah. Or there were times where I felt like this movie was pulling back its punches almost. I agree. I, I think this movie could have been a lot gorier, actually. And yeah, I'm sort of like in, in your boat, Cody. Maybe it's just we're desensitized for watching so many <laughs> bloody horror yeah. movies. But Josh it, and I it are broken feel, men. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like, yeah, like if you're going to go for it, like have that bear, like let's see it maul somebody's face off. Like let's do it. It was weird because there were times, uh, I forgot who pointed this out, but there are a couple kills where you're like, oh, okay, that was a little more than I thought. And then others are, are pretty mild. And so it was weird because with each like additional kill, you weren't sure what you'd be getting. It was sort of inconsistent in that way, um, which I thought was a little odd. But but yeah, I, it probably could have consistently gone further with those. Near the beginning of this movie, there were kills that were taking place practically off screen. And until I saw a severed limb, yeah. there was a part of me that was like, is this movie PG-13? What the hell? Yeah, like the opening, I was surprised, but you're right, by how sort of off screen the whole thing was. And it was like, is this how it's all going to be? And then obviously it turns out to not be the case, but it, it was a weird precedent. The storyline was actually really sad. <laughs> I felt really bad for that guy. Oh, man, I, I felt so bad. I, I felt bad for the actor. Um, I'm like, this is such a silly, dumb character. And then the movie completely forgets about him towards the third act. Yeah. Weird. And then I think he's also, like, spoiler alert, I think they also, through a flashback, allude to the fact that Ray Liotta kills him. Uh... Or was it the bear that killed him? I can't remember. Either way. It was the I bear. Think I the think the bear. Gotcha. Either way, it's a sad ending for that character, and it's, like, really unfortunate because I feel like, once again, he had nothing to do. He just sits in the in the woods and becomes a mysterious mountain man. I mean, when you have a beard like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was destiny. Definitely a beard win uh, for him. Uh, I, I guess final thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> oh, That's the thing. This movie doesn't give us enough things to talk about. <laughs> like, there should be... There, we should be screaming and reminiscing about, oh, do you remember when that happened? Oh, that was crazy. And we're just not. We're talking about, like, hmm, that moment for that character was quite emotional. Like, that's not what we should be talking about in a movie called well, which, Cocaine Which Bear. kills stood out to you guys since we just talked about some sort of underwhelming ones? Without naming characters, the, the ambulance scene. Yeah, obviously. the, the yes, stretcher. Yeah. One in particular, yeah. I was going to say, the stretcher in particular was... Ooh. Oh, my eyes brutal. My whole that body was a cringed when that happened, Yeah. If the whole movie was like that, this would be a 10 out of 10 movie. I, don't think I, I wouldn't know if I'd go that far, but it would just be higher. I'm being a little <laughs> over-exaggerated, but you okay, get my okay. <laughs> I mean, for me, the movie wasn't lacking. I mean, you know, perspective when it comes to gore, I guess. But it wasn't lacking gore. It was lacking comedy, if we're being real. It just like mm-hmm. wasn't funny. And just like 
interesting and I know it's like oh it's just a movie called cocaine bear but you know we've got professionals here there could be really interesting like filmmaking techniques interesting editing like interesting like composition oh god that the end scene is so awkward because all the characters are literally standing in a line in the dark you couldn't see it was so unpleasant to look at you have to squint while while watching it and then the way the action plays out it like goes from it just becomes way these characters all of a sudden are motivated by by family and it just it it just was really kind of kind of dumb yeah it's it's not it's it's not funny. It's just not a funny movie, and it's not fun. It's like it's not funny in terms of like the ridiculousness that we're seeing on screen, and it's not funny in the jokes. And this movie is really trying hard with the jokes. There are a lot of jokes, and I laughed maybe twice. Maybe that opening Wikipedia quote is the best part of the movie, <laughs> and that's disappointing because again, I love Elizabeth Banks as an actor. I'm just disappointed that she couldn't bring that kind of energy to this to the director's chair. I was gonna say I think that we're all being a little bit kind because we know Elizabeth Banks directed this. I'm just going to come right out and say this. I think it's a poorly directed film. It's very oh, poorly yeah. directed. We keep talking about the blocking, the lighting. It's just like ugly and it's not, it's trying for kind of an 80s pastiche kind of with the costumes and like some of the styling. And again, the Mark Mothersbaugh score, which is actually pretty good. But it also is just, it just looks like a cheap, bad movie from this era and not bad in a fun way. Yeah. I loved Carrie's uh, jumpsuit. There was, <laughs> I I saw this movie at uh, Universal City, like at the Universal Studios and uh, like the City Walk. And when I walked into the theater, it had costumes from this movie, like on display. And from afar, (laughs) I thought the pink jumpsuit was Greta Gerwig's Barbie jumpsuit. Oh my God. What she wore while making Barbie. And I was like, oh my God, they have that on display. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> okay, if that's what we're resorting to right now, then we're definitely up to final thoughts. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's just that, like, to Cody's point earlier, like, there's really not much to talk about. But that's why I want to get to final thoughts, because maybe you guys do have some things that you want to mention, specific jokes or scenes, something. I hope. Hopefully. I don't know. Danilo, got anything? You've watched them in unforgettable adventures. Love affairs and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Uh, it was alluded to, I do think, uh, given what he's given to work with, I do think uh, Alden Ehrenreich is, is pretty charming consistently throughout this. Um, I like his interplay with O'Shea Jackson. I think they managed to overcome some of the pretty subpar screenwriting and 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 keep me entertained i guess with the exclusion of that scene that was singled out earlier um they are definitely my favorite sort of pairing to follow of the characters um 
And so that, that was nice to see. Uh, that's about the extent of my, you know, positive stuff. I mean, some of the kills, like we said, are fun. Anybody else? Um, I mean, I will say this about O'Shea Jackson Jr., the reoccurring bit of him getting blood on his jersey and on his uh, sneakers and such. That was all pretty funny to me. Yeah, yeah, like little things like that were not bad. And the bit with the uh, two fingers I thought was uh, pretty funny. So I like their, their, their back and forth. Yeah, I really liked that running gag. Like, I even liked the fight scene in the bathroom, just like the ridiculous nature of it. And then to end with him being like stabbed in the back was just my theater laugh. Honestly, like, I had a really fun time with this movie. And I, I'm sorry, like, I don't have CG. I wasn't expecting it to be great. I kind of accept, accepted that this was going to be camp and you know i am also somebody who gets a kick out of watching the monster that is uh cats the musical which is actually terrible but it to me it's like it's so bad you just have to lean into the insanity of it and that's what i did with this movie Ardo's your final thoughts meredith oh yes oh one more thing i'll say final thought this is about to be a really bold statement, but, and considering what everybody has been saying about this director, I think Cocaine Bear is going to be Elizabeth Banks's magnum opus in that this is an important work for her that a lot of people are rallying around the ridiculous nature of this movie. I don't think this is her best work and nor should it be her best work, but if she continues directing along these lines this could be an interesting turn for her and i do think it is important we could look back and say well she made this really campy movie called cocaine bear and look at where she's at now and i will be rooting for her from the corner like yeah director of cocaine bear wins something later down the road see for me it's like there's not really much of a divergence from her previous uh, directed films as much I feel that her filmography is defined by I'm going to make fun studio movies. That's it. Pitch Perfect, Charlie's Angels, this. They're fun studio films, or meant to be fun, at least. And I think we need we need more female directors in those places, diversifying the what we get from directors across the board and if she is that studio comedy director i'm gonna be rooting for her not everyone has to be a Catherine bigelow so oh no i think we're all rooting for her i mean i i don't think anybody here has a negative thing uh about her personally or anything like that i think we could all agree though that other than pitch perfect she could be better yeah she didn't even do the first pitch perfect Right? No, she did. She did the yeah. second one, didn't she? She did too. Yeah. 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 Which okay, fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with the oeuvre of Elizabeth Banks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is only her third movie, so gotcha. I mean, she doesn't have a lot there. Okay, uh, let's hear next from Josh Parham. Josh, final thoughts on Cocaine Bear? I think I'm going to get some pushback on this final thought, but I don't care because it's just how I felt. Um. I actually really liked the kids in this film. And I think usually children in these kinds of movies are like so annoying and grating. And they're a little bit like that in this movie too. But I felt like they 
behaved like actual children would behave. Like maybe not necessarily 80s kids. They did feel very modern to me, but I felt like they had a decent entertaining rapport with one another. And there's a scene where they find drugs that I found to be very entertaining. And I liked their back and forth. And, you know, one of them is Brooklyn Prince, and we know is well established and she's great. But uh, Christian Convery, the, the, the boy, I thought he was good, too. So that was a section of the movie that I was actually surprised by how much I did find it to be funny and entertaining. And usually in these types of movies, any scene with children is like the worst, worst part of it. And I thought that they were good. So I want to give them a shout out. I guess it helps that Brooklyn Prince is off screen for a majority of this movie. But also, too, I agree with you, Josh. The scene where they find the drugs, one of the funnier scenes in this movie uh, definitely got the audience really involved in a major way. I definitely had some issues with it, morally speaking, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it, it achieved, I think, what it set out to do. Well, but I will also say, like you saying you had issues with it, morally speaking, like I agree with that. But wouldn't that also be like the harder edge tone that you'd want the movie to go for more often? Like, yeah, I mean, you could be taken aback. The problem is that the movie's inconsistent with it, and I could never tell Mm -hmm. what it was trying to commit to. And that's why that scene for me felt slightly out of place, even though like in a vacuum, I enjoyed it. Um, At that point, I was still trying to figure out what the overall tone of the movie was. And still, by the time I got to the end of it, I concluded that it was really inconsistent throughout. I still didn't really know what the tone was supposed to be exactly. Sure. And and I can understand you thinking it was inconsistent, but I'm just saying, like, that is an example of, I think, of a scene that you'd want the movie to steer further into. So therefore, I present it as an example of one of the more entertaining moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I will concede on that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that was it. I, I do wish that something more came of it. Well, it's like they kind of started it a little bit where the the boy was like kind of having the side effects of having tasted the cocaine, but they didn't really mm-hmm. run with it as much as I thought they would. They kind of started it to be a recurring thing. But I, I think, again, that goes back to your like uh, complaint of the inconsistency and not them committing to it. Like I would have <laughs> sounds so demented. I would have loved if the movie ended with this like eight-year-old boy having a cocaine addiction like that would have been funny but you know they don't go all the way through with it they got to start it but don't commit which is a problem but you know the effort in the beginning i still thought was funny yeah i agree it would have been funny if they had gone a little further with that okay um let's hear next from cody i think what josh just pointed out is kind of the key into why this movie is so disappointing like i kind of do want it to lean into something like Again, kids doing cocaine, but true to form, he only does like a little bit kind of accidentally. And that's just how the whole movie feels. It feels like it's doing a little bit of what we want. And it's just really overall just disappointing in that area. I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. So I will concede my time. Okay. Evo day. Yeah, I I sort of agree. There's really not much more to say on this. There are things in this film that are sort of introduced really unnecessarily. Like there's a cop turncoat. And, like, it's completely unnecessary. It doesn't add anything to the plot. It doesn't say anything. It's not particularly interesting. You know, there's a character who, this isn't a spoiler because you find out right away, Alden Ehrenreich's wife is dead. And, like, that doesn't really hold a lot of emotional weight for the audience because we just met him. And, I don't know, maybe, maybe... Some people felt that that made his character more interesting, but to me, it 
kind of just served as a bit of a distraction. And I, I just, I don't know. I really wanted to like this movie and I'm just so let down that I didn't. And, you know, I think, like I, I kind of said earlier, I think we as a as a filmmaking uh, collective need to sort of review what the term camp means, because I think we are maybe using it incorrectly and sort of without consideration. I fully agree. Sorry to jump in, but I, I'm somebody who's really a big proponent of the overuse of camp. And this is nothing about the movie's camp. It is way too self-aware and just does, it pulls his punches. It's so muted. No way. Yeah. One thing I noticed watching the credits that there was a lot of uh, Irish names and I actually didn't realize that this film was made in Ireland. I kind of just assumed it was filmed where it was set. Does anyone know if there's a reason for that? I don't know the reason why, but I do remember Elizabeth Banks. She did an interview. I want to say with Letterboxd that the most challenging part about filming Cocaine Bear was doing it in Ireland, not because of any type of weather issues, but mainly because of roads. They are on the opposite side of the road and then getting the era accurate cars um, because in Ireland, all the steering wheels are on the other side. So that yeah. sounded like the biggest challenge to them. But yeah, they filmed all of it in Ireland, which was impressive. Eve, the, the, the easy answer always to a question like this is tax purposes. Yeah, I, I did figure. I mean, in fairness, they made it. They I didn't notice. So they did a good job of making it look like sort of what do you call this region? Appalachia? Is that right? Re- is that right? Appalachia, I mean, I yeah. I wouldn't have known it unless you, if you pointed it out. So, yeah, kudos to them, I guess. Well, there was funny because there was actually a, a crew member with my last name. I was like, family! Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I noticed it. Okay, my final thoughts on Cocaine Bear. I felt kind of bad, but also at the same time found it to be grotesquely morbid that... This movie was dedicated to Ray Liotta and the final scene that we see of him, he's getting his intestines ripped out. Oh, (laughs) that was gross. I don't know. I don't know if that's the legacy that Ray Liotta would have wanted to leave behind for his last on-screen appearance, but hey. Hopefully his family (laughs) consented to that. I also, this kind of goes back to the whole maybe lack of self-awareness or just not committing to the bit well enough. I was really disappointed we did not get a full-blown Isaiah Whitlock. She Incredible. Like, how How do you fuck that up? Seriously. <laughs> that should have been his dying words. I, I, yeah. I was in disbelief. <laughs> yeah, I was at a screening of this with Josh, and Josh, that was the very first thing you said as the lights came up. <laughs> like, how do you not have that? It's ridiculous. <laughs> there was a moment with Margot Martindale where she attempts to shoot the bear that maybe got the biggest reaction out of my audience the entire movie. That was a great moment. I mean, it was so unexpected, right? It can't, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and it was also just gory as hell too. It, it was pretty fantastic. I love that. I love that bit. Does anyone know if Ray Liotta's scenes were finished or if they had to have someone come in and do stand in for coverage purposes? I, I don't know like what the story is there. If they had to like edit around or rework the script at all. I I believe Elizabeth Banks said that it was all finished. Like he even did his last bit of ADR like a week before he died. So no, this is a completed film that they had with him. Uh, yeah, let's see this film in 2021. So they had plenty of time. Yeah, see, I, I kind of hate that now because I do feel that there's a lot of once again, like kind of inconsistencies with the writing of that character when that character chooses to pop up 
how he was utilized throughout. I didn't feel that the arc between him and his son was finished in a satisfying manner. I, I just, I, this movie was a disappointment for me. I mean, it's just bad writing. You could just yeah. say that. <laughs> I do agree about the Ray Liotta character stuff. Like that part really, like it felt really flat for me as positive as I am about this movie. Like his stuff in particular was pretty disappointing. Yeah. Just overall, I, I wanted to like this movie just like everybody else. And I walked away pretty disappointed when all was said and done. I am giving this movie a four out of 10. Eve. Oof. Um, I think a four is generous actually. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the same. I don't know if I've ever given a negative score on this show. Trying to think. I don't remember. Oh, you definitely have. Have I? I guess I have. (laughs) Cody. I've definitely given negative views on this show, that's for sure. And this is another one. This is a four out of ten. Meredith? I'm going to be positive. Seven out of ten for me. Josh? Actually, no. Oh. Scratch that. Eight out of ten. What? Whoa. Damn. But, like, why? (laughs) Because I had fun with it. And I'm not a horror girl. And, yeah, it's Cocaine Bear. Okay. Danilo? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, five out of ten. Josh? I'm a 6 out of 10. Like, I enjoyed it for what it was. I had fun with it, but when it was done, it was a very fleeting experience. It's not going to stick with me at all. But it was enjoyable. Like, I I had a good time while I was watching it. And for that, I will give it a mildly positive recommendation. Okay, Oscar potential for Cocaine Bear. Well, we said it. Best picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, Elizabeth Banks will become uh, our next female Best Director winner for sure. Yes. (laughs) Best visual effects. Yep, absolutely. Well, the bear is winning best actress. We all know that, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's over. It's locked. But there's going to be some category confusion, I think, between lean and supporting. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering about that. Yeah. Best supporting actor to whoever that third wheel was in the old and Aaron Reich, O'Shea Jackson Jr. relationship. Yes. <laughs> Who was okay, that guy? Okay, hold on. While we're talking about that, I'm so, so sorry to this actor, but they make mention of him being a teenager, and it's not played as a joke. I'm, it, it, he, that is a man in his 20s. Yes. It was a weird yeah. character overall. That that was uh, a very confounding addition to this movie. Yeah, I... It, mm, no Oscar potential. Fuck this. No, no, <laughs> no, it's not. I will say one more thing, like saying it again, like I do love Mark Mothersbaugh and it is a really, it's a fun score. I don't think it'll get nominated, but I will probably listen to it quite a bit and... Anytime he gets to lean into his 80s and Devo background, I'm here for it. You know what, Meredith? I will agree with you on that note. I disagree with you a lot on this review. I, too, like the score. So we got something there. Yay! (laughs) Evo Day, where can they find you on the internet? Y'all can find me at EveOnFilm on Twitter. Danilo Castro. You can find me on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at J.R. Parham. Cody Derricks. I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91. And Meredith Loftus. You can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at Meredith Loftus. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Cocaine Bear here on the Next Best Picture podcast. My God. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. All right, there we go. All the cocaine you're doing, Matt. <laughs> 
but am I? Yeah, LA's really getting to you. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. that they're sort of piggybacking on this? I'd rather watch that. <laughs> Wasn't that Meth Gator? Yeah, Attack of the Wait, Meth Gator. Wait, hold on. There's also good. like a cocaine shark, too. Like, they can really build, build this out. Good. Wait, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Real movies. The cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, there's a company called Asylum, and all they do is just very quickly rushed ripoffs of movies yeah. that have just come out to kind of like trick you into thinking like oh. they were somehow related. So, like, they do movies called Transmorphers, for instance. Like, yeah, it, they're terrible, but they're very quickly done to just sort of seem similar to a new movie that just came out. I'm surprised they didn't just call it Meth Gator. That seems cleaner. Yeah. The shortest Did episode it, I've ever been on. Is this really the shortest one? Uh, I think so. I can't remember the last time I clocked in under an hour. Oh, well. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> this is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.